Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be and so God is still... Uh, talking to the priests here now in Malachi 2 because of the corruption that they were doing. You know, it's bad enough when you corrupt yourself, but when what you do influences other people, now that projects, uh, it, it always projects outward into others. And that's what was happening with the priesthood. The corrupt priest was projecting into the rest of the people. It was causing them to sin. So the Lord has to deal with it. And so, Father, we come into your word again, and uh, we ask you, Lord God, to show us uh, what you have for us. Uh, we know you wrote this to the Jews. We know you wrote this to the priests, and we're going to keep that context. But Lord God, I can learn from this and apply it to my life. Forgive me for why, where I've been off and teach me from your word today how to get back in alignment with you, Lord God. I don't want to be wrong in you, with you. Thank you, Lord God. As we read Malachi chapter 2, give us the understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Malachi chapter 2 and verse 1 about the corrupt priests. And now, O priest, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, and if you will not take it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already, because you do not take it to heart. Wow, America, did you know God does this? Okay, here it is, written. Now, chapter 1, remember, we read that the priests were giving profane, rather insulting, sacrifices. They were treating the Lord's table as cheap and worthless. They were actually stealing sacrifice animals from other people. And the priesthood had become corrupted. And so the Lord said, I will curse you and your blessings. Now, before you say, why would God do such a thing as this? Nuh-uh. God's curse was based on the state of the priests cursing God first. That's what that context picture is. They were cursing the Lord first. When the Lord said, I will curse your blessings, part of that meant that that was their income, which came from the people's tithes, would be cursed. It would be cut off. Well, you tell any American or anybody, I'm cutting your pay off. Man, you watch people get upset. <laughs> the priests were holding back from God. They were not giving. They were not loving. They weren't doing their best. They were holding back from God. And so God is going to hold back from them because of their corruption of the work of ministry. Malachi 2 and 3 says, Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your solemn feasts and one will take you away with it. Then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. 
And so a rebuke was going to be passed on to the children. That's pretty bad. But did you not see that? Where he says, I will spread refuse on your faces. That means exactly what you think it means. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) That's what that means. He's going to spread dung on their face. He's going to wipe it all over them. The refuse of their solemn feast. What, what is the refuse of the solemn feast? Refuse was the various parts of the animal sacrifices, such as the entrails, the intestines, also known as the offal. It was not to be used in the temple for sacrifices. Okay, now I, I, y'all know, I have worked on a ranch when I was growing up. And I'm telling you, it's almost impossible to work a herd of cattle without stepping in cow mess. It's going to happen. <laughs> and that's why cowboys wear boots and not tennis shoes and certainly not sandals. Okay? If you love beef, thank a cowboy because they deal with a lot of vile, disgusting stuff so that you can taste a hamburger. I'm just telling you. Okay, that's what he's going to rub on their faces. This refuse. Exodus 29 and 14 says, But the flesh of the bull with its skin and its offal, you shall burn with fire where? Outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Outside. Take it out of here. Get it out. The offal. Again, entrails, intestines. That was to be taken away. Burned outside the camp. For the priest who absolutely refused to honor the Lord's name, the refuse of their feasts, the dung of the intestines of the offal would be spread on their faces. And the Lord said, and one will take you away with it. See how he said that? One will take you away with it. The meaning here is that they would be taken to be done away with outside the camp. Out. Get out. The Lord God is firing. The priests, the corrupt priests. This is God's judgment here. And he says, then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you. The Lord was about to clean house. He was about to purify, get clean out the filth from the priesthood so that his covenant with Levi could continue. He said to Levi, we're going to have a good covenant with the priestly line, and it had to continue. Basically, what we see God doing at work here is God is working hard and as ruthless with sin as needs to. It was what is necessary to keep his promises. And I'm so thankful that God keeps his promises. (laughs) We'd be in trouble if he didn't. He keeps his promises. When God makes a promise, he keeps it regardless of which side of the fence you choose to get on. God will keep his promises. So God promised a good line to Levi. Now, Malachi 2 and 5, he says, My covenant was with him, one of life and peace. And I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and turned many away from iniquity. And so this here is more rebuke about the corrupt priests that God is about to put the hammer on for causing people to sin. 
The priest in Malachi's day, they had no idea who God really was. I think if they knew, they would have been reverent, wouldn't they? They would have been reverent enough to fearfully work exactly the way God had commanded them, exactly the way he established the priestly line in the first place, like we just read. Malachi 2 and 7. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I also have made you contemptible and base before all the people, because you have not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in the law. Now, the core of the problem here that we're seeing is that has God so angry is that you have departed from the way. Back in the early, early days, they didn't call it Christianity. They called it the way. You have departed from the way you left. And it caused a lot of people to stumble. Leadership, your influence has messed a lot of people up. And don't just look at me standing up here as the pastor. You have leadership out there in the world too. And people are watching you. Don't depart from the way because it affects them. God takes his covenants, in this case specifically the the corruption of the covenant of Levi, God takes his covenants and the purity of them extremely serious. Very serious. These priests were supposed to be messengers that the people could trust to listen to. Of all people, they were supposed to be the ideal representatives of God. They were supposed to put the Lord on display so that people could easily see what God is like, so that they could understand who God is. But since they departed from the way, it caused a lot of people to fall into sin. Now, this was not just a priest problem. It was a problem for the entire nation of Israel because what the priests were doing was affecting the people. It was affecting them. Guys, if you ever look at my Facebook profile or whatever, I never talk about politics. I never get into the arguments. I don't do the things other people do. I refuse to do it because I know the position I stand in is going to affect other people. I will not engage that. It's very important that what people hear from me is something of the Word of God. That's what you're going to hear out of me. This message, him jumping on the priest for getting corrupted, really strikes with me, really hits me hard. And my responsibility. So the people were stumbling. The priests caused them to stumble. And it's going to start with the priests here. What he says. You priests, he said. The Lord said, I have made you contemptible and base because you have not kept my ways. Contemptible means worthless, cheap and despicable, low. I've made you low. I, I shoved you down. And base means The lowest part of something, like if you went to the base of the mountain, you're at the bottom part of it. I've made you contemptible and base. And so the reason God did this to them is because chapter 1 says that that's how they first treated God. Remember, that's how they treated the Lord's table as contemptible, worthless. Well, guess who got put down now? Guys, God will humble the proud but give grace to those who are already low. And so, as he rejected them, he's going to reject them just like the refuse that they would be taken away with. Malachi 2 and 10. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why 
do we deal treacherously with one another by profaning the covenant of the fathers? Judah has dealt treacherously, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution which he loves. He has married the daughter of a foreign god. What's this institution that the Lord loves? It's marriage. Marriage. We have to keep it in mind that God created Israel to be a distinct, unique people for him on this earth. And this is the very problem that Malachi is discussing. Judah, which is Israel, had profaned the covenant of the fathers through an act of such unfaithfulness that God parallels this to how they had profaned God's holy institution, which is marriage. The Israelites were profaning marriage by divorcing their wives Dealing treacherously with them, it says, they were divorcing their wives left and right so that they could intermarry with pagan women, women who worshiped false gods. They were divorcing their Jewish women, like, for whatever reason, treachery, and running off and marrying these pagan women. The Jews were expected to marry within their own people. And failure to do so was an act of unfaithfulness. I mean, they were being unfaithful. Wife, I'm done with you. Bye. Divorce, I'm out of here. I'm going after that pagan woman over there. Treacherous. Dealing treacherous. An act of unfaithfulness. And so God's message through Malachi is that they were unfaithful while they were supposed to be his. God is saying, you are supposed to be mine. And you're running off all over the place with everybody else but me. I can get personal here with how the Lord feels because I can feel that. You ever been dumped by somebody? How does it make you feel? How would it make you feel for your spouse to dump you so they could run off and cheat on you? How would that make you feel? I imagine some of you have been through that. This is what God is dealing with from Israel. They dumped him. They dumped him and ran out from their covenant relationship with God to go cheat on him with false gods. Malachi 2 and 12, may the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob, the man who does this, being awake and aware, yet who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. Whoa, you know what you're doing and you still come in here with an offering like that? This is the same as if a spouse deliberately, let's say a spouse deliberately and willfully goes out and cheats on you, being fully awake and aware of what they're doing but then comes home and says, oh, I'm sorry, dear. Please take this offering and let's smooth things over. And then goes right back out and does it all over again. That's what this is like. He's trying to get the people to see that. When you see this set in a marital context like this, doesn't it just make you sick? Makes me sick. Who would tolerate this? Nobody would. You wouldn't tolerate anybody treating you like that. So why do people demand that God should put up with this? He won't. As it says to be cut off from the tents of Jacob, that means either the Israelite men would die or their line would cease and have no descendants. Guys, this is a very harsh consequence here. Very harsh. But in light of the hypocritical nature of someone who is as unfaithful as they had become, The judgment of God had to counter the downright insanity of how wicked this had gotten to set the covenant right. Do you realize our sin put Messiah Jesus on the cross? It had to be dealt with harshly 
to set everything right. Can you imagine the judgment of God had to get so hard on this wicked behavior? Imagine people who act like they love God while knowingly and willfully living like the devil. Ever seen that before? I used to be that before. Thankfully, the Lord God saved me. You wouldn't put up with it if it were you. God does not either. The men of Israel were dropping their wives to intermarry with pagan women outside of their nation, but yet still had the hypocritical gall to bring offerings in to try to find God's favor. What is this? That's hypocrisy. God will not give his favor on people who are in that kind of willful, conscious sin. I'm aware of it. I want it. I'm going to do it no matter what you say because it's my life. It's my way or the highway, Jack. God is not going to give favor to that. He won't. That is not love. That is super concentrated, hypocritical selfishness. And we've all been there. We've all been there. Thank you, God, you saved me and forgave me of every bit of it. Malachi 2 and 13. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. What are these tears about? Well, in the context of Israelites intermarrying with pagan women, it's likely These are tears of the men who divorced their Israelite wives to marry pagan women, but they wanted to keep their sin, but they still tried to gain God's favor at the altar. They discovered God would not accept or regard or receive their offering, so now they're crying about it. Hello, what do you expect? Living like the devil and you still want God to take your offering like that? Forget about all the Israelite women who cried their own tears. No, what about my tears? God, where's my favor? Selfish. That just burns you up, doesn't it? (laughs) Hypocrisy. God would not accept their offering. Malachi 2 and 14. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Wow, God's really sticking it to him. That's your wife, man. That is your wife. Stop acting like that. That's your wife. (laughs) I can just (laughs) feel the tone. Here's the picture the Lord is trying to show these corrupted people. They were not regarding the marriage covenant that they had with their wives. Therefore, they truly were not regarding the relationship covenant that they had with God either. Do y'all see that? I'm telling you, people demonstrate what they think about God with how they think about their spouse. What they think vertically is going to come out horizontally. The Israelites had a spiritual insensitivity that kept them from knowing what the problem was. And so they said, for what reason? What are we doing? For what reason? They were asking God, what reason do you not accept our offerings anymore? And the Lord said that he had been right in the middle Between them, between them and their wives, as they dealt treacherously with their first wife, who is your wife by covenant. She's your wife. Married people and single people, everybody. Understand that marriage is a covenant. It is a binding promise. 
God is telling these clueless people, I am bound to you. I'm bound by covenant to you. That he will keep it. He will keep the covenant. But if you are going to adamantly stand against this covenant, then buddy, you are out of here. That's what he's doing to the corrupt priests. He fired them. The people had lost their understanding of what covenant with God is all about. Friends, I want us to understand what covenant with God is, what it's like. And so their corruption had become so severe that it started to show through in their marriage covenants too. Dumping their wives off as worthless, just like they had done to God. Dumped him off as worthless. Friends, if anybody ever called you worthless, what would you do? You'd probably bow up and tell them, no, I'm not. Well, guess what? God's not worthless, and your wife is not worthless either. Malachi 2 and 15, but did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. Making them one. When a man and woman marry, they become one, one flesh. God's prophet Malachi, in our story here, in the text, was contrasting the Lord's total faithfulness to Israel with the marital unfaithfulness that the Israelites had demonstrated through the sin of intermarriage. He's giving them this comparison to look at. How you're being and how I have been to you. He wanted them to be a remnant of the Spirit. In other words, he would fill them with his Spirit. You can see that God really desires closeness and unity with Israel. That's why he warned, take heed to your Spirit. Take heed to your Spirit. In other words, guard yourself in your Spirit. And do not, because you guard yourself in your Spirit, then Therefore, do not deal treacherously with your wife. To my friends out there, my married friends, your spouse, you may hate their guts. And you feel like you're so wonderfully saved by God. You're the good guy. How you treat your spouse is a reflection of how you treat God. No, it's not, Ray. You're just, uh uh Listen to the story. Stay with me. He wanted them, God wanted them to have such strong marital unity that would display the strong spiritual unity that they should be having with God. Strong spiritual unity, strong marital unity. It goes in parallel. This would produce a godly offspring, a godly line of God-fearing, God-obeying, and God-honoring. A God-honoring line of people. That's the whole problem here. They were not honoring God. God is going to clean house and set the honor back right. God does not deal treacherously with us. Treacherously, what does that mean? He doesn't lie to us. He does not deceive us. He does not betray us. God does not deal treacherously with us. And so he expects his people to be the same with each other in their marriages and with him. You know, there's a lot of people, they claim to love God, but they hate their spouse. If you love God for real, then you will love your spouse for real. If you claim to be in good covenant with God, then you need to demonstrate good covenant with your wife. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.